The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, major professional events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings, salutations, and welcome to the TWDC uh, podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Tony Lightfoot. Glad to have the pleasure of your company once again for uh, for this uh, continuing episode uh, with uh, with Russell Gay, the uh, the head man behind uh, Masterline and a whole bunch of other water ski uh, uh, companies, and also not a shabby uh, performer himself out there on the water uh, back in the. Uh, uh, back back in the day, and still could actually uh, perform uh, two excellent twenty second passes when pressed upon, uh, even even today. But uh, we uh, we crack on a little bit uh, with the uh, the second part of uh, this episode, and uh, when we rejoin this episode, uh, 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 Russell was about to talk a little bit about the effects of uh, the pandemic, uh, how they had a profound uh, impact upon his business. Uh, going forward. So with that, let's uh, rejoin uh, Russell uh, with the answer to that question. Well, yeah, with COVID was was, was real difficult because different parts of the country, you know, a lot of our product is made here and even our raw materials are made here. So we're, you know, and that was a good thing. And I thought, oh, that's going to be great. We're, you know, at least, our, at least most of our products are here. But then, you know, we started doing lockdowns around different parts of the country. And so that got kind of crazy uh, for a little while. But a lot we did pretty well to be able to keep up we we ordered ahead um and and uh just took the chance that okay well let's instead of you know cutting back we tried to order more product and you know we didn't get all of it but we got enough to keep us going and then we've been pretty fortunate i mean we've had a few hiccups along the way and as everybody has but i think um you know we do all of our yarn and and our ropes so we're we're we were able to keep up with as long as we could keep people making them. That was the, our toughest part was the labor. Um, but short, we didn't have a whole lot of shortages in the materials cause that's made for us locally. And then mm-hmm. we, we, we have the braiding machines here. So we make most of that ourselves. So yeah. Cause I mean, you have, can we have control over that. Cause you can, you can make up a pretty good stock and, uh, and, and, and to keep you tidied over because i mean like ropes aren't exactly like bananas or anything like that i mean they don't perish very uh, do they really uh yeah no it, i mean they do have a lifespan i guess uh but not you know it's a pretty long lifespan so you don't especially if you don't put them out in the in the sun you're going to be good so as long as you keep them in a you know air-conditioned warehouse they're not they're going to last quite a while um but things do dry rot over time. So, you know, if you're going to store You can't stack them up for 20 years, but which I do see people, they'll pull out a rope they bought like 20 years ago and then wonder why it broke. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's uh Snaps in the middle of your 13-meter pass yeah. and you wonder why, what's going on here, you know. It's, and that, that's one thing that's funny. I mean, it's just like, you know, a rope, in the grand scheme of things, 
a rope is pretty cheap for water skiing, you know, when you think about it. And, but boy, when you break a rope, I mean, it's a, it can be pretty catastrophic, you know, fall. The knot in the rope isn't the only knot that you're going to have to deal with uh, after you take it. People (laughs) break their ribs or, 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 or have some other kind of fall. I mean, the risk in breaking your rope is pretty great. So it's, it doesn't happen much with, you know, our rope. We, and that was one of the things I developed when I took over Masterline. And I remember talking to Chris Lapointe at one of the U.S. Opens. We were sitting there, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I, I count how many times I ski on a rope, and I, I use it 12 times, and I throw it out. But if, if I try to push it to 13 or 14, it'll break." And that was back when we, at the time, we called it 60 strand, or they were on quarter, quarter inch ski rope, and so. We we're like, this is crazy. Why we? Why we at such a low tolerance? I mean, we, we there's no room for error, and uh, the rope should last longer than that. So we ended up coming up with an 80 strand rope, and you know I think that was a game changer now because you really don't have to worry about breaking a rope. I mean, now it's it's if you're breaking a rope, you're using an old a rope that's too old, but you're not you're not going to break a new rope out of the box that's um, at this point, cause now we're double the, you know, a quarter, quarter strand was breaking at almost 900 pounds, but you look at the, the guys are pulling 900 pounds. So if there's any, you know, to, if there's any, the tolerance has to be, if you have a one that's not so great, it's going to break. And, um, now we're at 1800 pounds. So you're double, you doubled it. So you're definitely increasing lifespan and, and, and definitely, uh, protecting it for any, kind of nick or anything you get in the rope you you have a little bit of uh leeway before you uh break it so we don't see that very often now that you break a rope unless somebody's just done something silly yeah like pull another boat uh, directly before you pull a pull a ski you know you know, you know yeah. if, if the boats are uh, stalled out in the middle of the lake has run <laughs> out of gas you know i mean it's you know it I mean, I've seen some people do it, you know, and then they wonder why that why that rope doesn't have any more life in it after after doing something like that, right? Exactly. Or you you know tie them up with their truck and pull you know to a tree and try to stretch them out. But then, you know, unless you're using a gauge, you don't know how much pressure you're putting on. If you're putting on, and I now I'm drawing a blank with the term, but there's a term where you you know you're stretching plastic. So if the plastic gets overstretched, you know, polypropylene comes back. It, it, it stretches and comes back. Polyethylene kind of deadens out. So it'll stretch and then stays where it is. But polypropylene will stretch like a rubber band and then it comes back. But there's a point where you could stretch it too far and then it doesn't quite come back. You don't know, but you can't really see that. So if you overstretch a rope and you tie it to a tree and you pull 900 pounds with that, you know, you're putting too much on it. And then that rope is not, may, not, may not have the same characteristics as, as it, it should have is if you had just skiers skiing on it. Mm-hmm. So that's why we recommend don't go tie it to a tree unless you're going to gauge it. But if you start getting four or five, more than 500, 600 pounds on it, you're not really sure what you're doing to the rope and they're going to be inconsistent. And you can put three on a car and do that. And they're going to all measure out differently after you're done versus if you take three ropes of ours out of a, uh, right off the shelf and go out and ski and you put 10 sets on them, they're all going to come out you know, dead on, but that's what they're designed to do. Cause they're designed to have five, 600 pounds basically stretched, you know, as a, of a skier skiing on them and then fit, end up in tolerance. But so we recommend that, you know, don't, don't do crazy things with the rope and you, you won't have any issues, but that's a, 
And, uh, yeah, that, I think that was a big game changer for skiing because, you know, when you had a guy like Chris, I mean, oh. that, guy was, that guy was a beast, you know, and, and he and Bob, you know, they every every time you had no idea if they were going to break a rope. You know, you're just sitting in the boat like, you know, with your hands over your face waiting for that rope to come snap. Give me a hockey helmet and a mask, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, we don't have those issues anymore, so that's – at least that's one plus. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. I mean, that's helped progress the sport forward a little bit. And and if I know nothing else about you, you your products kind of address a, a need as as they as they come around at specific times of improvement and innovation within the sport. I mean. I mean, we can talk a little bit about trick skiing because, I mean, gone are the days where a tow trick skier would use the, the same handle between each passes. Now they're coming up with like a, a mini handle, a, a lighter handle for uh, for tow tricks because you, you hardly ever use the handle for tow tricks unless, unless, you're getting the, unless you're getting the strap off, you know, at the end of the pass. Yeah. And then you've got like the little clip that goes into a hard shell uh, for for that you know uh, kind of kind of expand expand upon those innovations within tricks uh because this is going to lead into my next question which is uh innovate innovation with ropes for slalom we dealt a little bit going from 60 to 80 but now now there are ropes lightweight ropes for kids and then there's the optimized rope which is which has been exactly, the topic yeah. to, uh, which has been the topic of discussion but let's go with tricks first Okay, well, to go back to tricks, I mean, yeah, I played a lot, a lot with ropes after seeing Amrick uh, trick and realizing, man, tight, you know, the quicker you could tighten up the rope or, versus having a slack rope, it makes a difference. And we played with all sorts of stuff after that. And that's when the spectra stuff started coming out with. So I think we were the first to really use any kind of spectra in water skiing because we were trying to see if there's other things that could help us ski a little bit like Amrick without having to slow the boat speed down. So we started using the Spectre rope and, and that then eventually that started working its way into wakeboarding. Um, Cause that's when we first started went to wakeboarding, we realized, man, the rope got so long, it's twice as long as a trick rope now. So, uh, you know, that you really feel the stretch, the longer the rope goes. So, um, and then in the, as you talked about the handles, I mean, uh, Kyle Peterson was the one that really started off with that, um, specialized toe handle. Uh, he had cut his ankle real badly uh, doing toe line front. And uh, I think it was before the worlds or something. And so we decided we try to, Hey, it's like, why don't you get a neoprene sleeve you could put over your ankle so you can protect it. And, and then we made him a specialized handle, a toes handle that could go toe strap that could go over his, the neoprene sleeve on his foot. And then also, you know, we eliminated the handle because it was just going to be something he had to put on on land because he couldn't kick it in on the, you know, while he was skiing. So he'd have to put it on the back of the boat and then hop in. But after he did that and you started realizing, well, it's kind of nice without the handle. And I went with, I fought that for a long time and I, I didn't, you know, embrace that at first. And I went to two masters and I, like the first masters, I wrapped in for a toe go and my, the handle on the toe strap caught in my shorts and totally messed me up on a toe go and i thought that was a one-off thing never happened again i skied a whole another year never noticed it we went to the masters the next year and the same exact thing happened again i'm like it you know those and that's kind of what i've learned is like 
the weird stuff really will show itself in tournaments. And it's a good reason why you want to ski events before a big tournament. And it's also, um, you got to really take what learn from those events because if that's happened once, it could happen again. And the, the big tournaments, when you're really going hard and things are, you know, you're nervous and all that things that are not so noticeable in practice show up. So, um, that's when I switched to that handle. And then I realized, man, this is way better. I don't have to worry about it. And, and it just on other tricks as well, I used to get a big bone bruise in my shin when the handle would hit me in the shin on toe line O. And so that handle really helped. And so we, you know, that's kind of how that, that evolved. And people now, you almost never see somebody use a, a regular trick handle for toes. Um, or a handle at all. You know, or handle, yeah. It's just just the little toes only handle that we make, and then that's what you see for just about everybody tricking. And then, um, you know, it's kind of the same thing with the skis. You know, people started switching skis because they started realizing, hey, we want to ski for toes and we want to ski for flips, and we want to. We started separating our feet a little bit more for for hands. They used to be really tight up against each other, but then realized you you know you could get more leverage if you could separate them just a little bit and it helps for flips and body overs. So, but then your foot's in the wrong place for toes. Yeah. But, you know, so that's why that kind of evolved as far as the slalom ropes. I mean, uh, I guess you said you touched on the kids ropes. Well, that's something we learned from Anna. And then I guess, you know, Anna and Brooke and, and, uh, the kids when they were Neely and when they were all starting that, we noticed with the big rope, I'm sitting in the boat watching. I'm like, golly, every time they go around the turn, you know, they were skiing with 75 foot rope and you got the big rope and they go around the turn and the, ro the rope would catch in the water. And then they would, they would be on a good cutting edge and it would just whip them off the cutting edge. And then it, they'd be flat skiing into the first wake. And then the rope, you could see the weight, uh, weight of the rope swinging around. So I was like, oh, let's go back and just try to build something a little, uh, smaller and just see how that works. And, um, we we did that and it was just a game changer for the kids i mean um they really took off once they uh, got the right rope and then you saw i mean brooke just tore up the records when with the smaller rope and i really noticed that the when you when we with anna she was skiing amazing and then we had to go to team trials and i was like oh man she's gonna have to go from 32 to 34 and so I was really worried about the boat speed change. And, and um, I just started pulling her 34 and really she didn't change that much. She was pretty much running almost the same score with the boat speed at faster. I was like, Oh, that's good. And then, but never thought about the rope. And then we go to the tournament. She couldn't run a pass with the thick rope. So just cause she was so tiny and the rope. So the rope was making more difference than the two mile an hour boat speed. So, that's when I real we really realize that hey you know you got to have a specialized rope for the kids and they're so short so and they're so light that there's a good chance that the rope's going to dip in the water so that's how we came up with the two different versions of those ropes so that the kid kids could progress because it wasn't only the boat speed that was affecting them it was also the just using that big heavy rope and so um, you really I think that that's a big portion of why the kids scores just took off. I mean, they're just at another level now, you know, you you're running 38 off when you're in girls one. It's um, that's kind of crazy, you know? So oh, that, that helped with that rope. And then uh, as far as that, uh, you know, we, we did that 80 strand rope, which was a big change at the time, mm -hmm. but 
that was just more of a hey let's just build a bigger rope to make it safer and that was what that was and then we but then um recently we developed our optimized rope because we started realizing that hey the the action of the rope makes a big difference too it you get a rope that you've had too long and that's something andy always talked about as well you you get a rope that you've had too long and the rope goes dead and there's an there's a life to the rope or uh you know elasticity to the rope and as that goes dead that life and that springiness and the and the you know changes and your skiing changes a little bit and um he was always one that pushed people to say hey you know make sure you're getting a new rope and stay you know try to switch them out because when you go to a tournament you're not going to get an old dead you generally you're not going to get an old dead rope most of the time they're pulling out a new rope Mm -hmm. and um that livening liveliness to the rope is important to your skiing. You can't just have a, you know, we've tried it. We've, we experiment with specter rope and you realize, man, that's just not the way to go. It's just so dead. And even in just a handle, we noticed that. I mean, even per- Chris Parrish had, had complained to us too about having back issues when he was just using a, a specter handle and he went back just to regular polypropylene. And cause with specter, you the, feel everything on the water. Don't you, you feel everything. And, and even in just in a five foot section of handle, you're like looking at it. It's like, it can't be that much more stretch in the polypropylene handle, but there's enough give to help you. And, um, so then I think one of the people that kind of brought this to our attention and we, we had noticed it, but we, we started thinking about it more was Matt, uh, Matt Reaney. He would ski in at a ski school and, you know, I think Whitney had a an older rope of ours, and then we and then or had a newer rope, and then like uh, there was a batch that we had gotten different, and then Paige had a rope, and everybody that was using Paige's rope was struggling, and then one day Paige decided to use Whitney's rope, and all of a sudden her scheme was like way better. So Matt's like, "Hey, I noticed something's going on here," so then we started looking into it to see how we could control it and make changes to the rope and uh that's how that kind of started and we were able to design a we what we wanted to do is design a rope that would um give you that let's see if i back up a little bit one of the things i noticed with tricks with the spectra was that the rope was either all tight or all loose there's no in between it just would go hard so quick and then it would go totally slack and I realized when I went back after using Spectre a little while, other than having shoulder issues and other issues, that when I went back to the Poly E, I noticed, hey, when I loaded the rope, it loads and it gets tight. But as I release from the wake, there's a there's a little bit of time when the elasticity is coming out of the rope that the rope's not slack yet, but it's also it's also still taut enough that I can feel it. And so I like that control more because after I release, say, to do a ski line O, you're loading the line really tight. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you leave the lake, the wake, it would go totally slack. And I'm like, I can't, I don't have any balance in the air because I have no control. And notwithstanding and, the fact that having the line in the water would, uh, would basically discredit the trick in some instances in the eyes of the judges, right? Yeah, but it was more about the control that I noticed it. And I... And then I noticed another time skiing, actually I was skiing with Matt, and I was trying to do mode five front, and it was when zero off came out. And you could start cho- choosing the letters, and I was, I could not make a mode five front. And we were, I think I was like on B2 or B3 or some, or maybe on the C's or something. 
And, and we started talking about it and Matt's like, you know, maybe it's, you know, the, the boat is shutting down. It's, it's reacting so quickly and shutting down so quick, quickly that you're losing the rope. And I, and I know, then we went back to a, and I was like, all of a sudden I was making them all. And I'm like, wow. So it kind of reinforced my thought of like how the rope was working with the specter is also kind of how the zero off is working. And that was something that Andy said to me at one time too, is he chose the zero off letter based on how he comes into the ball, how his cha- edge changes and coming into the buoy more so than he chooses it for how he comes out of the ball, which was almost opposite of what a lot of people at the time were talking about. Everybody was wanting to control the zero off based on how they felt at the finish of the turn. But he was wanting to control the, the, the edge change going into the ball and how that affected the rope and his control on the outbound portion. So I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And that's what we, how we tried to, the ideas that we started to incorporate with the, the um, optimized rope. We wanted to be able to, the, the dead, more dead the rope is, we noticed that the finish the turn, you're finishing the turn, the rope's coming tight quicker, mm-hmm. and it's not letting you finish the turn and and get into your lean. It's trying to stand you up. So coming into the wakes, it's trying to stand you up quicker, but also on the other side of the wake, when it goes from, when you, as you go to make your edge change, it goes from tight to, to slack much quicker. Yeah. Whereas you, as if you have that elasticity in the rope, as the rope, you're changing edges, the ropes loose. I mean, the ropes contracting as it, you know, you, you've expanded it through the wakes. It's contracting, but it's still taut. It's not super tight and loaded, but it's also not slack. So you, and that's what we, when we started playing with the ropes and different things and people say, Oh, I feel like I have better control into the buoy. The other thing is that the smaller people, the smaller, lighter skiers like Anna noticed, Oh, with the optimized rope, man, my back, like all the girls were having back issues. And as soon as they started seeing with the optimized rope, all that cleared up. And so they were, ha- that was really a benefit to them. Um, and the skiers like Nate and Dane who carry speed through the turn, they're not having a big massive turn and then stopping and then waiting for the rope to slingshot them across. If you're skiing with that kind of style, then that's where the pro rope is probably a better choice because when you have that little pause there and then you got to wait and then the rope's going to slingshot you across, then you don't, you don't want that much stretch in it. But if you're skiing like Nate, you're trying to hold speed, you're trying to ordain, yeah. uh, you know, a brook, the optimized rope, they're using the rope to their benefit. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, depending on, so it depends on the style you, some, some, you know, your style maybe won't lean to getting a benefit from the rope, but you're going to benefit from a stiffer rope. That's um, not going to let you fall over in the turn. But if you, uh, if you can ski with that technique, then, you know, guys like Nate or Dane, and mm-hmm. you can see it in Dane, Dane skiing's really taken off. And I oh think yeah. He's, you know, he's using that optimized rope and his style is working with that rope. And it's just uh you know, working really well. And that's kind of what our intention was with the rope. Not everybody loves that rope, but I've had a lot of people that, you know, like Dane and like 
some of the girls that are skiing with it, they, they love it. They can, and Regina likes that rope, you know, that was, she was one of the ones that was helping us design it. And, uh, and obviously, that, and obviously know, a major uh, proponent of having it uh, put into, uh, in, into tournaments and having it re- and, and having, having the rules kind of uh, worked to have a provision for that rope in tournaments, uh, such as, such as, um, uh, the world championships which is which is the next next thing i want to go want to address you know because mm. the officials at that time wanted to go with just one type of rope and one type of rope only which was the pro rope and then you offered up the uh, the optimized rope and the and the officials were kind of differing a little bit as to whether they uh, whether whether they put it in uh I'm sure you were aware of the the whole deal going going forward at the world championships you know but would you care to comment on that Well yeah I don't know exactly the details but I do know that you know, our intention all along was we were going to offer the optimized rope. And I, and with the rule change recently, our intention was to offer both ropes. But our primary rope that we wanted to showcase is the optimized rope. And that's the one we're selling. That's the one we want to try to to, to have at the tournament. So we, we expected to have both ropes or, and offer both ropes. So we didn't want to, you know, so it would be fair for more skiers, especially at the time um, – with COVID and people having a difficulty getting ropes that we just figured it would be, it's going to be better to offer both ropes. So if you're in Australia and you didn't, couldn't get an optimized rope for some reason or New Zealand or wherever you're skiing, you're not going to have to worry about not, you know, you could choose either one that, you know, the one that's been around for a long time or the new one, but somewhere along the way, I guess the organizers decided, Hey, let's just go with one rope. We want to keep it easier. We don't want it to be complicated, I guess. And, they made a decision to choose the pro, but you know, that wasn't really communicated till the last minute. So I think it threw a lot of people off because some people were skiing with the optimized expecting it. And we were telling customers from us that, well, yeah, we we're going to have the optimized because we we're the ones sponsoring the tournament. So we thought we would have the option for that. So there was just, I think a miscommunication there, but then uh, they did, um, get in there and and did offer the both ropes that they you know they did do that before the tournament started they decided they were going to offer both which was the right thing because then you know depending on where you're coming from you you've been training on something and and you don't have to change off of that and um and it's certainly whitney Whitney likes that optimized rope and she was killing it i mean her skiing was at the time of the world's she was skiing great and um i think that rope works well for her style of skiing and uh, and you can see how you know she was definitely ready to compete. Um, she's really made a, you know, the last few months has really had had her skiing has stepped up another another level. Um, and unfortunately, she t- took that first that fall, or that was going to be a great competition between her and Regina and and um, um, Jamie. But. And- and obviously Whitney won the Malibu Open just a, just a week or so prior to that competition, you know. So obviously the rope is definitely working out for her there. And it's also kind of helping out a little bit with her recovery as well. Because, I mean, after that crash, she had to take a few weeks off. And, uh, you know, and had to get back into the swing of things, so to speak. And, uh, you know, when you've got a rope that's, that's comfortable to ski on more than anything else, it, uh, it can only help going down the line, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's something that, uh, you know, Chris had an injury this summer. Chris Parrish uh, had an injury this summer with a lat, torn lat. And he said that uh, 
you know, we had talked about it and how he could get back on the water. And he, and I said, you know, tr- go back and try this rope. Cause I think this will help you. And he, he said, Oh yeah, it definitely helped him to not have that, you know, to be using such a stiff rope. So, um, I think it's definitely a helpful thing if you have any kind of tendonitis or you've got back injury, back problems, um, you know, it, it can be a, a big help to people because a lot of times you just, you know, you're taking such a hit skiing and you got to remember you're starting, you know, especially for a skier, like a top level skier, the, the toll it takes over your, on your body for the season is uh, something else you have to take in, into account. Something might work great for a week or two, but it's not about, you know, it's about consistency over time is how you improve. And you need to have something. If you can't ski for six months or, I mean, a couple of weeks every year because your back's out, you know, you're going to improve a lot more if you can stay on the water and make it through the season. And I think, you know, when you're skiing big tournaments, you're taking big hits and you're doing it week after week, like at the end of the year last year, we had a lot of big tournaments back to back. Your body's taking a toll and you got to remember that and you got to be able to rest and recover and, and if you can have a rope with a little bit of forgiveness in it, it's going to help you um, if you can ski with that, you know, if your style lends to that. But, you know, those people that have that smoother style also are people that are going to be able to ski um, for a longer period of time. They're going to be at a high level, you know. I just look at Nate, and I see him every day he's running 41, like when he's here, at, you know, because he skis on the same lake. Um when I see him in town and, you know, even just last week, it's freezing cold. No one's skiing. He's running 41 off. Like, but he could do it all the time because he's not taking a big hits when he does it. You know, he's running it so smooth and his style lends himself to that. Or like Dane, you know, he just, they can, they can ski a lot because they, um, you know, skiing at a smoother, smoother technique. So. And to quote, rope to kind of yeah. quote a quote a phrase a little bit there, smoother than a well buttered banister, I guess. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's certainly Nate all along, and I mean he's he's been one of the uh, the greatest slalom skiers out there. He is the world champion. He's the world record holder, you know, and uh, and probably and probably credit to to your to your lines uh, to uh, to help help him towards that aim. But lines and ski ropes aren't the only thing that you've got going on i mean i mean you've i mean you're involved with uh, with the quantum skis you're involved with the eagle wetsuit i don't anticipate a name change for the company you know uh, anytime soon i would imagine despite the fact that facebook recently created meta as like an umbrella company for all of these other entities uh, below but going 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 besides that tell us a little bit about your involvement uh, with quantum with quantum skis and also uh, more recently your acquisition with uh, with eagle wetsuits yeah quantum is a uh... I, you know, we started making a ski. Um, I was skiing with on the D3, but there's certain things I didn't like about it. I felt like we could do better with it. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, so I, you know, we had started off a while back. We had made Exocet for a while. I don't know if you remember that. We remember oh, yeah. skis and trick skis then. I remember and, those um, jump skis too. Yeah. I mean, Bruce, they, they were, they were the first long jump skis. Um, and, uh, you know, Bruce was, one of the guys that was leading that way in development of the longer jump skis and uh along with um boo 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 was the guy that kind of started that whole trend because i think he broke his trick ski at a tournament and they decided they'd mount it on the front of the jump skis just to see what it would do and <laughs> that was when it kind of that was at least his trick ski came into use um 
or yeah. something. But yeah, that's kind of the idea. Uh, so we were making those, and then eventually we had a guy in town that made them. Um, but that didn't. He kind of phased out of his manufacturing, and and then at the same time, people were, you know, the costs were going up, and we had just finally decided oh, it's not really worth it to continue on with that. But then it came back around a few years later. I'm like, man, that the exoset ski I had, I really liked. And then I wanted something different. So we developed that the quantum ski. Um, and, uh, that that's been a great shape. I mean, uh, a lot of top skiers have been using them and Neely uses it for toes and Anna's on it. And, um, Alexi and we've set some world records on that ski and, um, so we've made the, the trick ski. We haven't really expanded that line um, too much. We just have done the trick ski and we stuck to that. And then, you know, several years ago, I don't know, it's been five or six years now, I guess we found Eagle. We bought oh, yeah. and purchased e- Eagle. And um, and that's been a good line for us. It's complemented what we we do at Masterline and given us more of a package thing for people to buy. You know, you can buy a vest and a handle and a rope and and uh, you need you need um, more products, you know. It's just hard to compete when you're just doing a rope and a handle. So uh, we do, um, you know, more of a complete set of products for for tournament skiers. So uh, with the vest and the barefoot suits, the show ski market. Show ski is one of the few things that have been growing, and uh, show skiing has been a good market for us. We make a, just about all the suits for those those teams and. Uh, all the pro teams too, like Legoland and stuff like that. We make suits for and Cypress Gardens. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a big part of our market. There is the show show market, and then we do uh, barefoot suits have been a big seller for us. It's, those are two niche things that you just can't go to China and just order a barefoot suit because they don't even have, a lot of them don't have the machinery to do it, and they don't have a. Uh, we we're using old machines that are hard to find, but. You know, there are German machines that they don't even make anymore. So we're having to retrofit these suits. But they're also something that just can't be knocked off because they're, you know, the, the machines now, they don't make these big Mauser machines with the big stitch, you know, uh, tape stitching anymore. So um, that's something that's something that's kind of a niche for us and that we have a we've done well with, I think. Uh, so that's the product line is Eagle, Masterline and uh, Quantum right now. All right, yeah, and I'm looking actually at your Masterline website. You, you're doing bundles and stuff there with uh, with the with the with the dynamic trick ski, the rear binding and the and the and sleeve there, and uh, very very reasonably priced. Uh, I would I would say, uh, but I'd. I I had I had something uh, towards the end of last season that uh, that you were looking to to acquire. Uh, just the uh, the uh, the distribution rights of of another Trixky brand is that is that true or is that just or is that just uh, un- an unsubstantiated rumor at this time? No, actually, um, Masterline is not doing that, and, and but I'm I'm involved and I'm with with uh, four of us that have gotten together, which is Randy, uh, who works for Masterline, Bob, and, and also um, Sergio, and so. The, the two main partners in it are me and Sergio, and um, we are doing the KD distribution for North and South America. So of all the products, so the, you know, KD makes, you know, combo skis. They make the titanium slalom ski, who, which uh, Martin Bartalski and, and Diego Font both skied on at the Worlds, which has been a popular ski down in Australia. That's where um, 
KD has been a lot of the focus is for KD has been down in Australia because Wayne Bryant is the one that kind of got that all going again. Um, I think Europe in Europe KD is is a pretty strong brand, mm-hmm. um, and so we uh, have taken on the four of us have partnered partnered and created a, a company called Pure Fun Sports that's going to be the distribution for KD. So. Uh, you know, Sergio's marketing those down in South America, and we'll be pushing that um, in Canada and in the U.S. So, um, and it's more than just the trick ski, but it's, uh, you know, definitely they have a good trick ski. When you look at the people that are in the finals at the at the Worlds, I mean, a big portion are either on Quantum or um, KD. So, KD's, a, you know, Pato's on the KD and and. Um, I think Jake is on is, is on the KD as well, isn't he? No, I think Jake. I'm not sure what Jake's on. I don't think he's on the KD, but I think uh, the other fonts. Uh, you know, Pablo's on a uh, KD. Um, the Georgies uh, have been on a KD, and I think they've been on a Quantum as, as well. And um, there's quite a few skiers on them, and at least quite a few in the top you know, on the podium and top you know top five at least. It's uh, skiing on that ski so that that you know um josh bryan of course is on that ski so there's some good skiers on that uh that ski and that's been a popular ski so we decided we wanted to try to push that brand here you know kd the red line has been a popular ski uh you know, that's one of the biggest selling slalom skis of all time <laughs> and uh <laughs> that's been around forever yeah so, that's uh, like that's like a classic name from back in the day in the halcyon days of the sport in the late 1980s yeah. who whoever was riding the red line was 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 towards the podium the top of the podium Sammy Deval were head and shoulders above everyone else at that time Yeah well you had Sammy and Carl yeah those those were the two the big name kidder red line skiers back back in the day but yeah that that brand has, you know, we have a wide body slalom ski. We got a full range of slalom skis and do wakeboards and, um, you know, good, the good product. They got a good uh, selection of, of boots as well. And so um, we're going to try to push that forward here and see how that goes. I mean, there's definitely a demand for it. And um, we've seen that so far. So, uh, um, yeah, that should be good. And I mean, and I mean, going forward, I mean, we'll we'll try and wrap, try and wrap up the interview here a little bit. There, I mean, we cover we've covered an extremely large amount of ground, but uh, towards the end of last season, uh, your daughter, uh, your eldest daughter Anna Gay, second uh, second world trick title, the only person in the world championships. Uh, Actually, tra- she is. That's a that was a third. Oh, a third. I'm sorry. Uh, Forgive me on that one. But I was about (laughs) to say that uh, that in that trick competition, she was the only female tricker to go over ten thousand points in both the elimination and final. So you must be extremely proud with her third world title now. Oh yeah, definitely. She's uh, she's an amazing skier. I I mean, I've I don't know I don't know too many other people that. I've seen compete as well as she does. I don't know how she does it, but I mean, she has just been amazing in big tournaments and has an incredible record for the amount of time for how long she's been skiing. I mean, she's won, what is she's, she's won two junior world championships, two under 21 world championships in tricks. She won two under 21 world championships in overall. And so, you know, and then she's got three world championships in, and tricks. I mean, like, 
and she's only 21. I mean, it's just amazing the what she's stacked up in that little bit of time. And um, yeah, just she had a great year. She I mean she won the Masters, won the uh, King of Darkness. Uh, I think she's won just about every round she skied. So she's you know she's just a really s- strong person mentally and handles the pressure better than anyone I've seen. I mean, just um, is very good under pressure. And then I think, I think it's more her perspective, of, uh, her outlook towards it. I mean, it skiing really doesn't define her. So I don't think she takes it too big when she loses, but so she's not really afraid of it. You know, she's not afraid of making a mistake, but since she's not afraid of doing that, she doesn't dwell on it. And then is able to, stay in the positive a lot easier. I, I don't know what it is, but I think that's part of it. So she's, yeah, it's been fun to really Pro- probably watch, get, probably gets about. that from her mom. If I mean, I mean, if you're not too well, sure what, 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 t- <laughs> what ticks in her head, then it must come from somewhere else. I think, I don't know. She just, yeah, she's been really good at that. And then, um, yeah, so it's been fun to watch her do it, you know, ski and do, do what she's done because it's really been an amazing amazing run and i think sometimes it's even underestimated what i think she's accomplished and and you know you hear about some of the top skiers but anna gets i I don't know for what she's accomplished in that time she sometimes gets slighted so it's like pretty amazing to see what she's done um and then even ryan you know he had a great year he went to uh a collegiate like uh that was an amazing trick final at the or at the collegiate nationals and uh he finished second so a close second but you know the top five skiers were all from the uh world you know you had pato and you had uh um some really uh really top skiers at the collegiate nationals so for to see him finish second was really exciting too because he's he likes to ski but he's not into it like anna is but he's got the talent and he's uh definitely likes the collegiate um format for him is perfect <laughs> indeed I don't, I don't think there's anyone out there on planet earth uh that who, who who skis or has the uh, has the opportunity to ski collegiately that comes that comes out of that experience with a negative uh point of view and yes and uh and ryan in the 122nd pass that he had at the collegiate nationals a trick uh 67 50 you know which is you know just taking into account that that's just one pass you know i mean yeah. it's a fantastic effort finished in only just behind Felipe Franco and, and just ahead of Guillaume Tetrio. And let's not, I mean, we, and we mentioned right off the bat, you know, Ella Gay. I mean, I mean, she's had a good season as well, right? Yeah, she's done really well. She's, uh, she's got a ton of talent and if she just puts her mind to it and really wants to ski, she'll, she'll get there, but she got to ski a junior worlds this year. That was really fun to see her, uh, qualify and compete at that and uh i think i can't remember how she placed but she did pretty well um you know she she's tricked almost up to five thousand points so she's 12 she's so she's getting there and uh she's a good she does slalom and 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 jumps also so um it's been fun to coach the kids and that's what's you know really been the fun part about them skiing is just the bond that you create with the with them and coaching them and traveling around with them and all that. So that's really been a fun, 
experience. Yes, and Nella Gay, as a matter of fact, uh, finished only slightly slightly adrift from the top 12, uh, tricking 43-20. Uh, That's have... right, yeah, she just missed the final, yeah. Yeah, you know, a little unfortunate there, but, I mean, she's uh, she's 12, for crying out loud. I mean, she and she's, yeah. and, and she's, trying to, she's trying to punch above her weight, you know, against skiers that are, like, 60 a 15 16 17 year old you know so so good on her i mean i mean i mean you I mean your family is absolutely stacked with well we're, we're tricking talent and i mean when when you when you take when you t- when you sit back and look around and take stock of what you have i mean you must think how how did i get here you know i mean and and taking a uh you know, take a deep perspective upon what you've achieved and uh, what what the future holds. Well, it's definitely a love of skiing, that's for sure. I mean, we've put a lot of time into it and we've enjoyed the sport. And, uh, you know, it's been a great family sport for us. So um, something we all do together. So that's, uh, I think that makes it a lot easier. And that's one of the things that's been great about as we've been able to do it all together. So Excellent stuff. A true, a true family sport in every in every way, shape, or form. Now, typically, what I ask of our uh, of our interviewees in the TWBC podcast is, uh, do they want to give a shout out or thanks or acknowledge uh, people that have that have gotten them to uh, to where they are right now? So, I'm going to give you uh, a few moments uh, to to do just that before we round off this episode of the TWBC podcast. Oh man, well. Well, I think I did mention a few of those there. It's hard. It's so many to thank, you know, so many people that have helped me get to where I'm at. But, uh, you know, certainly my wife um, has put a lot of time and effort into supporting what I've been able to do. And then, um, you know, my kids, especially now nowadays, you know, with my skiing still, uh, I've let it take a backseat to their stuff now. But there was definitely a time when they, you know, were having to wait on me. And then, uh, you know, my parents, they put a lot of effort into helping me get going in, in their skiing. And my dad was a good skier that, you know, inspired me to do it. And then, um, you know, I've had coaches such as Bill Peterson and Randy Schoner and people like Corey that have helped me along the way a lot. You know, those guys have the, some of the skiers that, like Tori and Corey and that gave me tips and stuff as, as I went along. And then, uh, you know, Drew and Sergio and just a lot of – a lot of people out there to thank. It's hard to remember everybody, but um, um, yeah, I guess Tangy also and uh, Mike Raw also had a lot of influence on my skiing. So, all right then. Okay, I'm very... sure I forgot some, but that's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm and I'm sure and I'm sure that you have a list of list of people that you all want to thank that you want you want to thank. But I mean that that list could go on and on and on, you know. But I mean, no, you me- sure. you mentioned some some of the people there and. Uh, uh, I personally thank you for taking the time. Uh, you know, I was I was earmarking about an hour for this uh, for this podcast episode, and it's about an hour and thirty minutes. You know, we took a deep dive into a lot of, a lot of things, but uh, uh, but uh, great to have you on board. That has been Russell Gay. This has been the latest edition of the TWBC podcast. Uh, so until next time, it is ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. 
Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcasts.